Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God in the highest. Hallelujah. The song you just listened to is in Yoruba language, a native language in Nigeria. The song was composed by my wife, Modupe Rafaelobe, in one of her albums titled Lord Be Magnified. The interpretation of that song says, God of mercy, I ask for mercy that rejoices against judgment. Deliver me by your mercy and lift me. Jesus, have mercy on me so your glory can shine on me. And I believe the Lord is going to have mercy upon you as you listen to me again this time in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So I welcome you. Can we please pray before I declare the counsel of God unto you? Almighty Father, glory be to your holy name. Thank you for another opportunity to declare your counsel to your people. Your word is settled forever in heaven. Thank you for all the ear that for the ears that will hear this message. Thank you, Father, for the hearer. Thank you, Father, for the vessel through whom you dispense your word. I trust in your mercy. I trust in your grace. That everyone that will hear me, hear your word, hear your counsel, they shall be blessed. Their lives shall be transformed. They shall be inspired, motivated, and empowered to be able, O oh Lord, to live right and to be able to live better in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory be to your holy name. Even as we proceed in your word, in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. My brother and my sister, I want to thank you once again for listening to this message. I want to thank you. I want to appreciate you for coming online to visit this page and enjoy this message. And I know that as often as you come, you will always have something inspiring, something empowering, something motivating, stimulating to touch your life, to empower you, and to bless you. Hallelujah. The topic that we are studying this moment says the mystery of God's mercy. The mystery of God's mercy. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit uh, to inspire you and motivate you and empower you and even challenge you as we go in this particular topic. The text is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. Luke, chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. I will read in King James Version. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Verse 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Are we indeed justly? For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. 
And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, the mercy of God is one of the deepest mysteries of God's nature that we continue to elude total human understanding. Sometimes it is like it doesn't answer to logic. We know God as a God of judgment. We know God also as a God of love. We know God as a God who is a father. Sometimes he can be angry, and when God is angry, oh, some things happen that we don't like. <laughs> but God is also a God of mercy. God is a God of love. Now, the nature of God, when it comes to mercy, is something that we we'll always continue to try to understand. We will not be able to fully understand it. Why? Because it is very, 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 very deep. Very deep. Now, the text that I read earlier contains a narrative of an example of God's mercy. We have two unnamed thieves that have been sentenced to death and were undergoing execution by crucifixion along with Jesus Christ. One of the thieves was on the right hand of Jesus on the on the on the on the uh, uh, Golgotha, and the other was on his left. Now they were both guilty. That is, the thief on the right and the thief on the left of Jesus were both guilty. Only Jesus Christ, who was in the middle of them, was the one that was not guilty of the offense for him for which he was charged. And so, just a few moments left for them to slip into eternity. The one on the left mocked Jesus, and the thief on the right rebuked his fellow thief who was mocking Jesus. And so the thief on the, on the right was asking Jesus for favor. I said, Jesus, please remember me in your kingdom. And right there, Jesus responded, just at the brink of eternity, this response of Jesus will shock everyone. He responded by offering the thief on the right something that looked like an automatic visa into paradise. Because Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Today thou will be with me in paradise. Now, even the disciples of Jesus who had followed him for years and would later on labor and jeopardize their lives for the sake of the name of Jesus, were not the first to enter into paradise. The first person to enter into paradise immediately after the crucifixion of Jesus was the thief on his right hand. Now, that baffles me. I don't know if it baffles you. If it baffles you, something like that baffled Paul, the apostle too. Paul, the apostle, was an erudite Jewish scholar and the former persecutor of Christians before Christ arrested him on his way to Damascus, who, when he was on a mission to arrest the followers of Jesus. Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 10 to 26, the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 10 to 26, 
Paul reasoned that, for example, God had said that Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. He also stated that that is God was quoted as saying that the elder, that is Esau, will serve the younger, that is Jacob. And that was even why both of them, Jacob and Esau, were in the womb. And they had not yet been born, so none of them had done neither good nor evil to warrant such a determination of divine recompense upon them. So Paul now asked rhetorically, he said, does it mean there is unrighteousness with God? And Paul said, no, no. God cannot be charged with unrighteousness. Oh, yes. Though the two of them had not been born to make their choices in life, but then there was already a statement that said that the elder will serve the younger. There was already a statement that said that well, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. But then, the conclusion of Paul is this. Paul says, God is sovereign, and that is true. God is sovereign, and his actions are beyond human interrogation. Why? Not because God can do unrighteousness. No, God cannot do unrighteousness. God cannot be unrighteous. But then, the nature of God is so that he cannot sin. And he cannot do evil. God is sovereign. And God's actions cannot be interrogated by any man. His actions are beyond interrogation. So what is the explanation? Therefore, the only explanation for this narrative is predicated upon only one thing. And that is what you call the mercy of God. So this is where I know that the mercy of God is one of the sovereign attributes of God Almighty, that he can exercise and no one can question him. God can exercise his mercy to do and to undo, and no one can question him. So we want to go ahead and study the attributes of God's mercy. This thing that we call the mercy of God, that is mysterious, that is a sovereign nature of God that can make God to act in ways that you cannot question God. That can make God to set someone free and say, go, you are free. That can make God to make a thief that was someone who had stolen, who had deprived people of, of, of pleasure, who had taken away their belongings, who had made put them in sorrow. Just a few seconds to eternity, he received mercy and he became the first person to enter into paradise. I want to know this particular attribute of God. I want to know what it is. Can, we please, can you please join me as you go on a journey and explore the attributes of God's mercy? Number one, one of the attributes of God's mercy is that it cannot be questioned and it cannot be withstood. You can't fight it. You can't question it because it is a sovereign attribute of God. When you say something is sovereign, that means power 
to do unquestionably. Power to carry out actions that no one can question. That means God in his capacity as God alone. He has the privilege to exercise certain rights that nobody can question him. And that is mercy. That is mercy. That is mercy. Number two, the mercy of God is deep. It is great and beyond human understanding. Or else, how can we explain a situation in which Jacob received mercy? Jacob received mercy. He stole his brother's <laughs> blessing and took away his birthright. And he received mercy. And he went ahead to prosper. Oh, yes, that's the mercy of God. The mercy of God. In Psalm 103, verse 11. Psalm 103, verse 11, the Bible says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That means the mercy of God is deep. The mercy of God is great. Comparable to the height of the heavens, to the earth. Number three, the mercy of God can be given to man and taken away from man by God. That means God who gives his mercy to man can also take it away. So mercy can be given and mercy can be taken away by God. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 15, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 15, God says, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away before thee. <coughs> Excuse me. In other words, God gave his mercy to David. He also gave his mercy to Saul. <coughs> Excuse me. But God took away his mercy from Saul. And was telling hmm, Solomon, he said, My mercy shall not depart from you. As I took it away from Saul. So God can give mercy. He can also take away mercy. In First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 13. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 13. It says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him that was before thee. So God can give mercy, and he can also take away mercy from somebody. Because it is a sovereign privilege. It's a sovereign attribute of God. It is so Mercy can be obtained. It's one of the attributes. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor? But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That's Paul that was speaking in his, in his uh, epistle to Timothy. He said, I was before a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And if you know the life of Paul, Paul was the one that was formerly called Saul. He persecuted Christians. He destroyed them. He molested them. He harassed them. But he received mercy. He was a blasphemer before. He did not want to hear the name Jesus. Anyone that called upon Jesus, he would go after him or her. But he received mercy, 
and then he turned around and he changed and he became one of the most successful apostles one of the most successful disciples in the bible he wrote more more epistles than the rest of the disciples of jesus christ can you imagine that because he obtained mercy now another thing is multitudes can enjoy mercy at the same time thousands and thousands of people can enjoy the mercy of God at the same time. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 10, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 10, it says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. That means God can show mercy unto thousands. And when the Bible talks about thousands, we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands. That's multitudes. God can show them mercy at the same time when they love him and keep his commandments and in the book of exodus chapter 34 verse 7 exodus chapter 34 verse 7 and also exodus chapter 20 verse 6 it talks about keeping mercy for thousands that means god keeps mercies for thousands and that takes us to number six number six is god can keep mercy as a promise or by promise or vow for generations to enjoy. God keep mercy by way of promise or vow for generations to enjoy. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 12, it says, Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant, and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. Which means that God can promise mercy unto fathers and his children and children children or their children and children's children will enjoy the mercy. In the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 72, Luke chapter 1 verse 72, that woman, prophetess, she says to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So it means that God can promise mercy to fathers for children and children's children to enjoy because God is eternal in nature. God does not die. And so children and children's children's generations can enjoy the mercy of God. It means that fathers can receive mercy that his children and children's children we enjoy even when the fathers have gone. You that are listening to me right now, you can receive mercy of God, and that mercy can last you a generation. That long after you have gone, your children and children's children will continue to enjoy this mercy of God. That is how mysterious the 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 mercy, which is an attribute of God's sovereignty, is that we're talking about here. Number seven. The mercy of God endures forever. Oh, if you check through the pages of the scripture, you will see statements like that, 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 that are, are, are filmed here and there, here and there, here and there, here and there. Because the mercy of God endures forever. In First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Excuse me. Number eight, the mercy of God does not discriminate or show prejudice. 
The mercy of God does not discriminate by tribe, does not discriminate by, by, by nationality, it does not discriminate by color, by gender, by sex, by age, whatever. As long as you seek the mercy of God, you receive it. So it doesn't show prejudice. Anyone who confesses and forsakes his sins and asks for the mercy of God will receive it. How do I know this? The book of Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Number nine, mercy is the way of life of God Almighty. Yes, God's way of life is mercy. Psalm 25 verse 10 is my witness. Psalm 25 verse 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Number 10, mercy is a time-limited offer for a lifetime only. Please take note of this. This one is very, very important. Very important. Mercy is a time-limited offer for a lifetime only. That means you stand to enjoy the mercy of God only when you are alive as a human being. <laughs> because after death, no man can receive mercy again. The mercy of God does not go beyond the grave. Luke chapter 16, verse 24. Luke chapter 16, verse 24. In that particular story, there's a narrative there. Jesus himself is the one that told the story. He told the story of two men. The name of the first one is Lazarus, a poor man. The name of the other is the rich man. And that story has it that Lazarus, a poor man, was so poor that he was feeding from the crumbs that fell from the table of the rich man. And the rich man enjoyed himself in his lifetime. He did not seek relationship with God. He did not bother about fellow human beings. He was just enjoying his life. And then the two of them died. Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham in paradise. And the rich man went to hell. He went to hell. It is Jesus that says so in that narrative. And in hell, now, Luke chapter 16, verse 24, in hell, and he cried out, that's the rich man who went to hell, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So Jesus was saying that this particular rich man who was ungodly, who did not care about God, who had no relationship with God and sought no relationship with him, when he died, he went to hell. And what was it in hell that was tormenting him? It was flame, flame of fire. And this man felt very thirsty. That ordinary, ordinary drop of water became a luxury to him. So he was asking for mercy. First, he asked for mercy. And he called on Abraham. Perhaps he was seeing Father Abraham in the other side and was calling on him because he recognized him and said, Father Abraham, please have mercy on me. Please send Lazarus. <laughs> he thought Lazarus would be poor in, in the other side, in heaven, and could also be a servant the way he was in, in, in the world. So he said, please send him to just dip his finger. I'm asking for a cup of water, just a drop. Dip his, his, his finger 
in water and just bring it so that it could just cool my tongue. That means a drop of water became a luxury. Whereas in the world, when he was in the world, in his lifetime, he had water, cups of water that he drank in gold, in cups of cups of gold, and so on and so forth. Okay, now this is the lesson. When you tithe, you ask for blessing and you get it. Because if you read that story, then you discover that Abraham replied only at saying, No, this is not possible. There's a gulf between you and I. Lazarus cannot cross from where he is to you. Only for a lifetime. The moment you die, you cannot receive mercy again. That's why those people who pray for the dead, they are wasting their time. Somebody has died, and they begin to pray and say, "May God, uh, uh, may he rest in peace. May God, uh, God bless you. May God, whatever you pray for a man that is dead, that prayer is a waste of time. Rather, should pray for his family." That are alive because once a man is dead, his case is closed, he can no longer enjoy the mercy of God. Mercy is not meant for disembodied spirits, mercy is not even meant for angels, mercy is meant for human beings who live on earth here, who are living in this body. As long as you remain a human being, you are living in this body, you are entitled, you are qualified to enjoy the mercy of God if you repent. But the moment you put off this body, you die, you are no longer qualified to the mercy of God. You cannot receive mercy again. Number 11, those who show no mercy to others cannot receive mercy themselves. The Bible says so. The Word of God says so. It means for you to enjoy this mercy of God, this sovereign nature of God that is so mysterious, you need to show mercy yourself. In James chapter 2, it says, for he shall have judgment without mercy. For he shall have judgment without mercy, who shall know mercy. Oh, yes. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What does it mean? It means that when you show mercy, you will receive mercy. I have just mentioned a few of the attributes of the mercy of God. I'm going to stop here because I would like to continue in the next episode. And in the next episode, we're going to examine what is it that the mercy of God can do for you. The mercy of God can do so much and so much for you. From the few narratives that we've had, you discover that the mercy of God is very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. The mercy of God that can set a, 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 a thief free at the brink of eternity and made it to be the first person to enter paradise. The mercy of God that can set Paul free. Paul was a persecutor. He turned him around. What can the mercy of God do for you? Please, you join me in the next episode as we find out what the mercy of God can do for you.
But in the eternity, I want to advise you to seek the mercy of God. Because the mercy of God will turn your life around. God bless you. It is well with you. Jesus mighty name. Amen.